Welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm your host, Kira LaForgia, and every week I'm bringing you behind the scenes of running a successful business. Join me while we laugh, learn, and connect on mostly HR inappropriate topics with successful founders, diverse leaders, and kick-ass employees. It's true, your HR lady may have fired your bestie or made you sign a love contract, but we also have all the hot gossip that will make you better at your job. Whether you're on your way up the corporate ladder, are a fellow HR villain, or are building a culture as a rising entrepreneur. All right, welcome to episode three or week three of our interview series where we basically took all the questions that we get from all of our clients and all of our community and spit it back out in a less than an hour, hopefully, if I don't ramble on for two years today, um, an hour-ish mini course about how to interview and get great candidates that are compliant and through a compliant and non-judgmental and fun process so that you have employees and team members that are aligned with your values, stick with you for a long time, and are really fun for you to work with. Because I personally think that makes the biggest difference in the ability and the longevity of keeping a business going is being able to be motivated by and inspired by your team. And not only just because we want to pay them, but also because they're, they care as much about your business as you do or, you know, probably. Um, They care about your success. They care about the work that they're doing. And that passion comes across to your clients and your customers. And now I'm going to just do a quick 90-second review of what we've talked about so far. So if this is the first episode of the three that you're tuning into or you're really pumped to learn about assessments and test projects and you know that final step of evaluating candidates, um, then we'll just be able to tie all these things together. So if we make any references, you can still jump get a good chunk of information and support and hopefully camaraderie because we kind of have to laugh at ourselves sometimes. You know, people can't be controlled. So a HR is really interesting because not everything is going to be perfect all the time, but we're going to do our best to create a mutually beneficial situation between the business and the team. So, you know, we don't want to control things too much to the extent that there isn't any space for creativity or movement within the team and their their goals and your goals and your even ability to change your mind in your business. So, Essentially, what we've talked about so far in the past two episodes, episode 44 and 45 of On the Up and Up, is the basics. And that is the process that we generally see just naturally happen that works the best to yield the best candidates. And this is across the board for entry-level positions to more advanced positions to director positions. Um, On the executive level, so if you're coming from an executive recruiting perspective, it's going to be a totally different process. So um, I highly, I don't necessarily know how many people listening are super into recruiting executives, um, but assessments can be very valuable there too. So most likely when you've been listening to this process, it's because you are a business owner, you're a manager, you're a hiring manager, or you're an HR pro that wants to get better and better and better at their job. And part of the reason for that, or part of the way that we do that is to create 
comfortable, happy work environments. And the people that make up those environments are the key to making sure that we're creating something that is worth showing up for and keeps us going, even when the days are really hard or we randomly have to be HR in a pandemic. So keep in mind that our interview assessments and test projects episode that we're going to talk about today is just scraping the top of this of this topic that is super deep and has a lot of nuance to it. So I am by no means an expert on personality assessments or anything like that. Um, I have some training and certifications in certain areas and certain types, but I wouldn't necessarily say that this episode is all about like the Enneagram or Strengths Finder or the DISC assessment or, you know, anything like that. This is really just more about using part of your process to you using assessments in part of your process to make sure that you can get the best candidate. So in our four steps that we've gone over in the last few weeks have been our checklist and screening step and going a little bit deeper and finding the culture fit through two interviews. So getting those yes or no questions answered, making sure they can move forward, and then having a really substantive and deep conversation about who the person is to make sure that they're a good culture fit. We also touched a little bit on why culture fit is a lie. Sometimes it's just a smokescreen in order to be discriminatory. If you're listening to this podcast, that's probably not you. But keep in mind that there are ways to make sure that you're not missing really amazing candidates because someone on your team or even you might have said they're just not a great culture fit. And so we're missing out. So encouraging you to challenge that by going into our next third and fourth step. So validating that third step, making sure that you're validating the information that the people that you're interviewing and the candidates that you're interviewing are giving you. We went over some kind of like casual discussion of using social media and reaching out to um peers in the community, but how that's also different from checking official references and actually doing background checks. Um, and finally, this is a continuation of step four, which is the evaluation stage, where you're taking all of the information that the candidate has provided, that your team has provided, and what they're actually showing you to be true and putting it side by side to ensure that you're turning qualitative information into quantitative data so that you can pick the best candidate and how you can actually have really deep and insightful conversations with your team members about how to measure certain things like their personality, their friendliness, their reliability, their the way that they verbally answer questions, their written skill sets. Um through a rubric. So I encourage you to join Set to Scale if this is something that's interesting for you and you want to get to know us a little bit more and have our eyes on some of these really creative ways to source through your candidates. Um, it's a really fun membership and everything that we do is always done through the lens of legality and compliance. So while we're not lawyers, we are responsible for creating legal and ethical work environments. And to many people, they're going to get advice about interviewing and test projects and assessments and all kinds of stuff from all kinds of places, but it's very it's not very likely that the advice that you might be getting is going to be looked at through the lens of compliance, which is why it's really important that you are taking every way that you are sorting through your candidates and just making sure that you're following the law in whatever state that you live in and whatever state they live in. Um, so just or even if you're allowed to do these things, <laughs> some places you're not going to be able to. So just keep in mind that that is what we really want you to walk away from at the end of this three-part series. And I'd love it if you'd leave a review if you really liked it. Reach out on Instagram and let me know. Um, but ideally, 
after listening to this episode today, you're going to feel really good about moving forward and creating a scalable process within your company where you can interview and hire effectively. So jumping on in, interview assessments and test projects. So people always ask me, what assess- can we use assessments in hiring and what do they mean by assessments? So I want to call, I want to kind of identify those two different things and make sure that I'm not using them interchangeably because sometimes I do. So when we talk about assessments, we might be talking about the Enneagram, Strengths Finder, the Colby, um, the DISC assessment, things like that. Those are, you know, I think the Myers-Briggs, which is kind of old school, but people still do it, you know, things like that. And they're assessments that are like studied and there's all kinds of data to back them up. And there's lots of information that can be mined about an individual, how they make decisions, how they show up best, what their what their strengths are, um, what their weaknesses are, you know, where or what we would call areas of opportunity when we're being a real HRE about it. Um, but generally, I think that those are going to be very different from a test project. So an asses- we might call it an assessment in the hiring process where we're assessing the skills that they have. So I want to just say that for the sake of this episode, the assessments I'm talking about are more put out there by third-party companies. Um, I'll have some great references for you to check out if that's something that you're interested in capitalizing on and some really fun stories about them. But when we're talking about test projects, we're talking about things that you're actually designing to test their skill sets and their abilities. So just to define those two terms right off the right off the bat, they may be used, well, assessments may be used interchangeably pretty much everywhere else. But in this episode, I'm going to try to, you know, keep it in line. So starting off with what assessments we recommend. So I think there's value in many of them, even those that are like, kind of woo, like human design and astrology and, you know, stuff like that. Um, And so when it comes down to what we recommend that you use in hiring, we generally don't recommend that you use those types of assessments. However, we do recommend that you use them to manage your team. If you want to use an assessment, then we recommend the Colby. And I'm going to let my friend Jen Lawrence explain all that. So we'll link her episode below because the Colby is actually built to be completely unbiased. It's not going to, the results are not going to be affected by race, gender, um, or anything like that. So the results that you get really are truly going to be about the conative nature of somebody's brain, which I learned all from her. So I know that sounded really smart, but Jen told me everything. So make sure you check out the blog in the previous episode if you want to know a little bit more about the Colby. But when I do recommend using assessments, it's just in casual conversation. This isn't going to be something that's going your going in your rubric. So if somebody asks, hey, have you, have you taken the Enneagram before? It's not going to be judgmental. It's not going to usually have any like big, deep, well of judgment coming behind it um, and things like that. But I do want to just say that when it comes down to using assessments to make decisions, the Colby is the only one I can really, I think the DISC too, but I don't use it. So Jen will have to tell you about it. But the Colby is the only one that I would recommend. Um, Outside of that, just fun to make conversation, get to know people on a deeper level. But very few of us know much about those assessments with the exception of about ourselves. So it's not really that helpful except for in just making conversation. So when it comes down to it, the assessments that we provide or the ones that we say that you should use are definitely going to be more test projects and how we can design our own test project to to make sure that we're mining the data that we need from employees or from potential employees to ensure that they can get off and running or so that we can plan for how much training that they're going to get. So now one of the things that comes up quite a bit 
in the hiring process is when is it appropriate to do a test project and when in the, when is it not. Um, and I do want to dive into that, but just to kind of round out the assessment part of things, um, we the Colby is the only one that we recommend. Um, outside of that, you can just use it casually, um, even just because you want you know, not everybody's going to be familiar with the Enneagram or their human design or whatever. Um, but it, if you want to incorporate that into conversations, that's great. But assessments are absolutely killer after the hiring process when the offer's already been issued and you can actually start to learn how your people tick and how they communicate with each other. I've actually had situations where we've been able to call back on assessment results from certain assessments in order to get people to speak the same language and be on the same page that were maybe causing friction before just by gaining an understanding a little bit more about each other. Um, So just keep in mind that We'll link the blog and the previous episode below um, to make sure that you can check that out. But most assessments can be filled with internal bias. They can, they aren't going to give you a really good understanding of who the person is, what the person is capable that you're hiring, or who the person is at their at, at their whole. Um, but if you wanted to do one or if you had to do one, then I would say the Colby. And just keep in mind that one does cost, mo- cost money. Um, okay. So then secondly, test projects. Okay. Talked about already about this a little bit. Was already diving in just because I'm obsessed. But essentially, the test projects are going to be something that you're going to send to your final candidates, usually two or three, um, where you're going to have them do a, a project to demonstrate some of the skills that you want them to portray um, in their jobs. So the way that we design an assessment is going to be really pinpointed to the needs of the business and the needs of the job. So those are two different categories. So when you spend the time to when we spend the time to get to know our clients, we start to see what's really important to them, what is going to make it an easy transition for them, how it's going to get them to make them more money more quickly if they have these certain skill sets, things like that. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're creating an, a, a job, I'm sorry, a test project um, in order to weed out people that suck. Likely the last people that you're giving this to is going to be the people that you're choosing between. So being able to kind of figure out what quantitative data you still need and then designing an assessment to get you some qualitative information that you can filter through in order to have something that you can use. So the other question that I get, so when you're designing your assessment, it should speak to the needs of the business as well as speak to and how fast you can get somebody up and running. And, you know, not that speed is important, but it should give you an idea of the training time that you might need, which should be some. So it's okay if it's if it's some. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, and their innate skill sets and also what if it matches what they told you about their own experience coming in. So I'm just going to use a social media person or a marketing assistant as an example. So I'll say a marketing person. A very common assessment that we would send someone is to, if we want them, if their job description has a couple sections, one of them is copywriting, one of them is graphic design, and one of them is teamwork, then we might want to try to hit on all three of those things or at least two of those things through this assessment process. So having them create a blog a graphic and a, I don't know, social media caption that could encompass one of your podcast episodes or encompass 
a article that you send. It doesn't even have to be something that you wrote. You know, you can have them be assessed about anything. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, you can have the test project be about anything. So keep in mind that if you're going to do a, a project like that, where the work can actually be used for your business, we would generally recommend not using it. Um, but if you were going to and you wanted to use it and repurpose it in your business, then that's a great time to pay. So what I would generally recommend is a, you know, if the job is a $25 an hour job, then say, hey, this should take you no longer than an hour and you'll be paid $25 when you submit it via, you know, I think Meg, who was our recruiting partner, used PayPal for that. Um, but it depends. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Just consider sending over a payment of sorts so that they are incentivized to complete the project and it doesn't just look like you're getting free work out of somebody. That For that particular situation, they're going to be producing something that ideally you could use for your business. So it's a win-win for you. Um, it also gets to show you like what exactly they're capable of and how much training they might need and where what areas they're going to be really strong in in two out of their three main goals or objectives in their job description. So this, again, goes all the way back to making sure that you have a solid job description, very well sectioned off with an increasingly um, – aligned culture. So basically, when you get those three assessments, you can grade each of the parts of the assessment using your rubric and then see how that adds up. Now for your company, if you're hiring a marketing assistant and you don't want to have to spend a ton of time training somebody or you're offering a higher salary or something like that, um, this is an entry-level role. Maybe we're talking about something a little bit higher, like a marketing manager or social media manager. And they do the skills and they're great and you give them, you know, they're next to each other. All this, the test projects are next to each other. You pick the highest, the second highest, and the third highest. And then you might weight that a little bit more in your decision. So, you know, all the initial interviews and all the other data that you've collected um, is probably like put into one to five stars or one like on a scale of one to five or one to 10 or something like that. And it might be everything else was worth 50%. So you add up their general score out of X um, and their or their average score. And then in this section, it's going to be you know, their test project is going to be worth half the score. So that might be weighted really heavily. Whereas if you're hiring somebody a little bit lower level, like an assistant or something where you know you're going to have to train them anyways, um, but you're looking for kind of raw talent, pulling out great ideas and great grammar, then that might be weighted in, you know, the 30% region. And the interviews that your other team did or their likability factor, meaning those like they're not really likable, but, you know, their trustworthiness, their re re references, that kind of stuff is going to be also really heavily weighted because, you know, you're hiring somebody that you can develop and train. So um, I know this episode is really just about how to make sure that you're making that final decision when it comes to your candidates. So making sure that you have a way to take that qualitative data and turn it into quantitative when you're evaluating those assessments is going to be really important. Making sure that you're paying them. If you're just asking them to record you a quick Loom video um, that takes five minutes or less to just, you know, I don't know, depending on what the job is, maybe you're hiring a salesperson, you want them to sell you a pen or something, whatever those things are, that may not be something that... Um, that you pay for. But when it comes to something where they're actually sitting down, taking the time, blocking it off on their calendar, 
You want to make sure that you're sending really clear and concise directions. You're giving a really quick turnover date. You're not having them work on this for, you know, two weeks. It's usually going to be like within a week or within three or four days, depending on the depth of the project. Um, And also just making sure that you are understanding when they have questions and things like that. So I generally will say if they're doing the second interview and then we know we're going to be doing a test project, have whoever's doing the second interview introduce the fact that they're going to have a test project in the coming days so that it starts to help them to create a space in their mind where they're going to be sitting down for an hour and doing this project. And the fact that you're showing them that you're going to pay them for their time is also a cultural marker. So it shows that you value the people that you're bringing into your team and you also value this process for them as well. Um, and granted, if you want them to do a bigger project, depending on you know what type of role you're hiring for, that's totally allowed too. So just make sure that the compensation is in line with the time um, and make sure that it's not something super huge because that could be considered contractor work. So we do want to keep in mind that we want to get – we don't need it to be super hefty to get the information we need. And then finally, the last little thing I'll talk about, um, this doesn't necessarily – have to do directly with assessments like the Colby or StrengthsFinder and things like that or human design or whatever, or test projects when we're actually having people do tasks so we can see them demonstrate their skill sets. But there are a lot of creative ways to sort through candidates, especially as we go into a time where there's a lot of competition and we want to make sure that we're making the right choice. And by creating mini test projects along the way, that can be a really great way to do that and turn more qualitative data into quantitative. Um, So there are a couple little things that might come up here. So number one, I would say when it comes to test projects that are small and easy to put together, um, make sure that it's in align with the role. So if you're hiring a accountant that is going to sit behind a desk and do a lot of brilliant stuff with numbers, then you're probably not going to have them send you a loom video selling you into a, you know, selling you a pen. That's just not going to be aligned. People are going to see that as a project that they don't want to do. Um, they're applying for a job that's in a really specific area. So it's okay to pull people out of their comfort zone a little bit, but we're not trying to scare people away. So just keep in mind that there are creative ways to sort through candidates by using little test projects or um, even something as simple as shooting them over an email and asking you know, what it is that they really enjoyed about the interview process so far, or, you know, something like that. It doesn't necessarily, to create another touch point of communication to, you know, just kind of sort through a little bit more to get more qualitative information um, that you can then turn into a quantitative, quantitative data. And really what we want to see in regards to on paper as an HR person when people are going through the process is that this is going to be internally scalable, meaning that when you create that assessment once, you're probably going to use it again and again and again. Because if you heard earlier in the in the episode, we talked about the test project being related to their job description and their job post, which means that that's a, that's a role within your company that's likely going to stay the same as long as you're building out your organizational structure in a way that is, I don't want to say permanent because there's still flexibility in there, but is profitable and scalable. So on that note, I would 
love to see you in set to scale if this was really interesting to you. We also have a training from Jen in there um, about the Colby a little bit more. Um, we are going to be upping our meetings. So any Q&A calls, open Q&A calls for HR, people operations management, um, organizational structure, job posts, job descriptions, hiring. Um, we have open Q&As every week coming up soon if they haven't already started. So they were every other week, but now they're really popular. So we're doing them every week. And so you can get HR support as you need it as soon as possible, as well as through our Slack channel. So if this sounds like you're in a place where you are building a team and you'd love to have a community to speak to this specific part of owning a business and making sure that it's through the lens of compliance, then set to scale is going to be the perfect spot and the perfect soft, warm, cozy place for you to land. And we'll be super excited to welcome you in. Um, but if you're more of a DIY type, then hop over to our set to scale shop and download that interviewing bundle. It is still available for 50% off using the link in our show notes, or if you use the code UAU1023, I'm super pumped to basically be able to share this resource with you to hopefully help you make internal scalable processes to save you money in the long run and to help you to create fair and equitable hiring practices along the way. Interviewing is one of my favorite things and it's so fun to teach others to do it now after thousands and thousands of weirdo conversations. Um, and I hope that you join us in our community. Let me know if this mini series was helpful for you and I look forward to seeing you on Instagram and LinkedIn. If you're listening to this, you've stuck with me for this entire episode. And for that, I say thank you. I hope you found as much value in this week's topic as I do. If so, be sure to follow, rate, and review on the Up and Up podcast. You'll be helping others find the fun in HR too. Follow us on social media and join us next Wednesday for your weekly dose of On the Up and Up. <laughs>